As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is presented in part by the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular at US 131 in Martin, Michigan. New for 2018, the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular will be contested at IHRA tracks around the country with a $5,000 to win Saturday and $2,500 to win Sunday format. By pre-entering the Saturday race for only $150, you will receive entry to Sunday's race for free. We're proud to introduce a new podcast partner this week, Bill Taylor Enterprises. BTE is a manufacturing, design, and support company that specializes in high-performance automatic transmission assemblies and components for drag racing, off-road, marine, and street performance. With over 50 years of experience in drag racing, BTE has been a trendsetter and innovator, placing themselves and their customers ahead of the pack. Cause I'll be willing to bet that you don't want none If you want some, come and get some 500, let's lock it in on the next one Hello everyone and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Hi, Big Jed. Welcome to episode 88. Wow. 88. Yeah, if there's again. anyone out there that's listened to all 87 of these, bless your heart. <laughs> light week on the Big Dollar Bracket Race scene, Big Jed. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, 310 Grinders from Pittsburgh, but that was about it. So we're going to be NHRA heavy on this show, which is not really our normal, but the points chases, they're becoming a little bit more clear. It's that time of year. Those of you that have been listening for a long time know that this kind of gets me fired up. Just full disclosure, I'm about to go full on math nerd on you guys. Um, <laughs> we kind of break it down in a couple of classes. You know, I get off on that stuff. Last week, we talked 
I kind of just went off on a rant. It wasn't really planned about the inconsistency of the top dragster and top sportsman fields nationwide. And there's 32 car fields somewhere, 48 car fields the other. I got a lot of feedback on that. So we're going to go a little bit deeper into that at some point today. We're going to touch base on the Allstate race. Uh, we haven't talked about that much this year, Big Jed, and that's coming mm-hmm. up just over a month away. I'm fired up about it. I don't know what you got going on down there in Alabama, <laughs> but we're going to catch back up on that. Yeah. And then we'll close the show with a final thought as sort of a, a wrap up to the same topic that we started last week's show with, race promoter drama. But first, we've got a new partner here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, Big Jed, longtime part of both of our racing programs. Bill Taylor Enterprises, BTE, and specifically our buddy Chance Likens, who we've got on the horn with us right now. What's up, Chance? On the horn, on the motor home, yeah, <laughs> on top of everything. Yeah, I for our listeners, we've, we've had a little bit of technical difficulty with Chance and his flip phone. So this <laughs> we can't make this stuff up. But Chance is currently on top of his motorhome in his driveway so that he's got signal. So we're working to get a picture of this. <laughs> where uh, is I'll your driveway, Chance? Here. Tell everybody uh, where you're at right now. Slayton, Mississippi, just north of Holly Springs, home of the Southern Footwork Challenge. Oh, yeah. Yes, very well done. <laughs> very well done. <laughs> well, Chance, we're glad you joined us. Obviously, um, had a little challenge there with your signal, but you're sitting on top of the motorhome in Mississippi, so it's just perfect time for us to catch up with you. No, nothing uh, distracting you while you're sitting up there, but we want to just get everybody familiar with BT. I, I think everybody knows uh, very well who BT is, but tell us a little bit about BT, what you guys specialize in, and then tell us a little bit about what your role is at BT. We've been doing transmissions and converters since 1998. We specialize in mainly sportsman bracket racing. You know, we do, we'll do some super gas, super comp, stuff like that. Do a bunch of uh, bracket applications anywhere from Australia area back to the u.s mainly we try to support local bracket racing but uh, we like to get out there and uh stuff like that me i'm a salesman for uh bte do a lot of uh bracket racing myself blessed to have this job for sure uh started in the shipping department how i got to get comfortable with converters and stuff was when the guys up front got busy i would help them out by answering the phones. Now, finally understanding how converters work, one day, Bones gave us a call at the at job, and he asked me, thinking I was Brian, why is my converter 400s too loose? So I transferred him to Brian, and in there, Brian says, that's how you need it, you idiot. And uh, <laughs> I learned two things that day. I never questioned Brian Robinson. And you don't call Bones an idiot. <laughs> but uh, I got all my work, and uh, Brian kind of mentored me into that, and that's how I kind of rolled into the guy I am today. But, See, it sounded like they had you between a rock and a hard place there between those two. <laughs> that's trouble. But So sound like, Chance, obviously you guys specialize in transmissions and torque converters for pretty much every kind of race and application. It doesn't, you know, I'm sure there's people that listen to this show that's not necessarily just a drag racer all the time. You guys can produce those products for any kind of racing application or uh, off-road vehicles, correct? Correct, yeah. 
we do a lot of uh, blown applications, nitrous applications, street applications, mud trucks, monster trucks, any application out there. We can pretty much accommodate what you need. So that's it's experience in all those fields, and I'm sure that helps when somebody rings the phone up and uh, and ask you for right. some advice or help. But so, and you mentioned Chance, you're a racer, man. The BT Racer Support Van and the Open Trailer and the Volkswagen have seen quite a few miles this year, man. You have been on the scene at pretty much every major event. Yeah, that's pretty much my favorite part of working in BD. Not only did I live five miles from the shop, but uh, getting to work the race van at the same time as uh, racing myself. We've been about, give or take, 12,000 miles this year. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, it's awesome. Man, that Most is of that to Vegas and back, I assume, or <laughs> a good Vegas. chunk of it anyway. <laughs> yeah, Vegas, a huge chunk of it. We went straight from Vegas, had a week off, and went right to Galat for the spring fling events. Yeah, and for those of you that don't have a map in front of you, Las Vegas and Dunbenson, North Carolina, not close, not close. <laughs> <laughs> You've become a staple at, at most of the big dollar events across the country throughout this season, Chance. Where are you headed with the BT van and the open trailer coming up here in the month, month of August? So this weekend we had some plans kind of get interrupted, but the plan at first was Todd's Extreme Paint, 50K in Michigan. That kind of fell through with some business. Sometimes working at BT means you actually have to work. So we had to take this weekend <laughs> off from... That sounds like a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we had to take a little bit off this week at Michigan, and we're uh, we're gonna head out. I'm gonna head out to uh, Memphis to deliver some parts, race Friday night, and unfortunately, I have to go uh, work on some land. But next week, we're headed out to hitting the road north to Dragway 42 in West Salem, Ohio, for the SFG Buckeye Bracket Nationals. I'm sure you guys have seen the flyers all over the internet. Presented by I'm getting Kyle Riley and AJ Ash. Them guys do a heck of a job while I'm leaving. I've been to a couple of their events already this year. And then uh, taking the week off after that, August 24th through the 26th, we're going to be hopping over to Huntsville. Jed, I'm pretty sure you know where that's at. Yeah, I'm very familiar. <laughs> we're going to hit the fall frenzy. 10K is presented by Huntsville Engine. And then uh, that's pretty much it for the month of August for us. Uh, then we're going to hit right back at it in September. Awesome. Well, racers, you heard it here. If you're headed to Dragway 42, if you're headed to Huntsville and you need components, torque converter, transmission, parts along the way, chances you're manning, bring them right to you, save you shipping. And if you're not headed to either of those races, how can they get in touch with you, Chance? What's the best way to uh, get a hold of Chance at BT? Give me a call at 662-851-3213 or shoot me an email, chance.likens at btracing.com. I'm sure we can spell that out for you because my last name is not the easiest to spell. <laughs> yeah, that's L-Y-K-E-N-S. Likens. Chance.Likens. Correct. Uh, and as part of this program, part of this partnership with BTE, at least for the foreseeable future, BT will be presenting our weekly Who's Hot? award in the in the world of sportsman drag racing it will be the bte who's hot at least for the time being so chance since it's your first time on the show uh, we'll have you on pretty regularly at least once a month to kind of touch base let folks know where they can find you but since it's kind of your uh, 
your inaugural appearance here on the show, we'll let you introduce this week's BTE, Who's Hot in the World of Drag Racing. What you got? So, um, Three-time national event winner, or champion, Jeff Taylor. Jeff Taylor is this week's Who's Hot. All right, man, sounds good. Thanks, Chance. All right, you guys have a good one. Have a good one, Chance. He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. All right, as Chance mentioned so eloquently from the roof of a motorhome in Sladen, Mississippi, <laughs> this week's BTE Who's Hot is none other than a three-time NHRA world champion, Jeff Taylor. JT had a good weekend, Big Jed. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, he was obviously at uh, Heartland Park, Topeka. They had a, a double divisional there. And uh, Jeff went to both finals. And, you know, again, as you mentioned off air, I mean, this guy's a three-time NHRA national champion and has positioned himself very nicely courtesy of his performance this past weekend in the uh, national points chase. I mean, I'm embarrassed. I'm kind of sick that I've, I've let Jeff slip by me somehow. So apologies to Jeff, but wow, what a performance this weekend. Yeah, JT is not on Team Jed. He's not on Team Luke. He's not on Team Kevin. And after he <laughs> defeated Britt Cummings in the final of Stock Eliminator in the first event at Topeka, and then advanced again to the final round of the second event at Topeka before losing to Chris Cheney last week's Who's Hot Award winner. In the middle of that, that was 13 consecutive round wins for two races that counted full on Jeff's points ledger and catapulted him into a tie atop the national point standings with Jody Lang, who thankfully is a member of Team Luke. We'll talk a little bit about Jody later. Stock is wide open. I, I shouldn't even say it's wide open. Like To me, stock is the most intriguing of the national points chases this season simply because it's going to take a huge score to win Stock Eliminator. I will go ahead and say, I will predict that the Stock Eliminator National Champion will have in excess of 650 points, which is a lot. And there are literally, when you look down the sheet, like six, seven, eight guys that are really capable of reaching that milestone. And it's anybody's game. If you had to handicap it right now, I would say that Jeff Taylor is probably the favorite. But it wouldn't shock me if any of those eight guys ended up winning this thing. Like, it to me is the class to watch, Big Jed. Yeah, no doubt about it, Luke. You know, obviously the redraft helped uh, us get in position to have a, a fair opportunity at the stock national championship with a lot of different team members. I mean, obviously Jody Lang is team Luke. Then you got Slate and Strick and Ryan McClanahan. Thomas Fletcher, Jeff Lopez, and of course Justin Lamb. That's not chasing, but he really is. Um, <laughs> I mean, who knows who's going to come out on top? But whoever does, we know they will have performed extremely well. I don't know how often the stock national champion gets 650 plus, but uh, I believe you when you say it's going to take that. And we know somebody's going to perform at a super high level to get there and win that championship. Yeah, I mean, it's happened in the past that racers have, have crested 650 and failed to win the championship. Like, the season comes to mind, I believe, Peter Biondo nearly went perfect. Like, I, I want to say he got really close to scoring 800 points, which is insane. 
But that year, Lee Zane had like 760 or something that crazy and finished second. So there's no guarantees. But generally speaking, like 650 is that high bar mark where if you crest that, you're supposed to win the championship. And I don't think that's necessarily the case this year. I could see a handful or at least a few of these guys getting past that. Now, thankfully for us in our NHRA pickup contest, of the eight guys that we kind of pinpointed here, seven of them belong to one of our teams, either you, me, or Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Taylor does not. And like I say, if you're going to handicap it, Jeff Taylor might be the favorite right now. He's tied atop the standings with Jody Lang. Again, Jody, Team Luke has an awesome national event score. Really, if he's going to win this thing with the score I think it's going to take, I think he's got to show out at his last two divisional events, like two finals, maybe two wins. That's the bad news. The good news is... The races at Woodburn and Seattle, pretty sure Jody Lang's won at both of those like repeatedly. So that's possible. The Slate Cummings is in the mix. We mentioned he runnered up the first race at Topeka to Jeff Taylor. Slate's in the opposite boat. He's got a massive divisional score. At this point, he's been to three national events, and I don't believe he's been out of second round. So how his final tally stacks up is going to be completely dependent on how he performs at his last three national events. So that'll be interesting to watch. Jeff Strickland, who coming into the weekend at Topeka, I said was absolutely the odds on favorite. Strick's part of Team Jed as well. Topeka hurt a little bit. Not like it performed badly, but I think it was a third round loss and a fourth round loss. When you put that beside Jeff Taylor's 13 win lights, doesn't stack up very good. Brian McClanahan's got a shot to get there. That's Team Luke. Thomas Fletcher's got a shot to get there. That's Team Jed. Fletcher's the one that we talked about just a few weeks ago as being like the odds-on favorite. He hasn't done anything bad since then. He hasn't raced. We just got guys making multiple final rounds. And like I say, this thing's super interesting. Those six, I think, are the top six in national points right now. And they all look like they're, they're poised to put up massive numbers. You get a little bit further down the line, a little bit off the grid. One of your guys, Big Jed, Jeff Lopez, Tex-Mex. Mm. Our boys, as Texas Boy. with Jeff today. Uh, Jeff was at Topeka as well. I think like fourth round in both races, somewhere along those lines. Jeff hasn't been to many races. Uh, he's got two wins, nothing worse than a third or fourth rounder. Got a lot of races left on the ledger. He could absolutely get into that mix, as could the aforementioned Justin Lamb, who looks to be the title favorite in Superstock. Uh, he's got a pretty good season going in stock as well. Part of Team KMAC. He'll be making a bunch of races here, I would assume, within the next couple of months. And don't be surprised if he is part of this conversation when we look back on it a few weeks from now as well. Yeah, interesting points, Chase, obviously. Sound like I need Strick to step it up just a little. And I need uh, Jeff Lopez to get the fuel card out and make some races. Yeah, and I mean, neither of those would, would shock anybody. Two really talented guys. A couple other notes from Topeka. Our boy Brad Plord, competition eliminator win in the buggy in race yeah. two. Did you happen to see Brad's final? I did not. Okay, now realizing here that competition eliminator is nuanced and complicated, right? That's what David Rampey said when we had him on, complicated eliminator, right? Brad was in a position in the final to where in order to not hurt his chances to win basically the U.S. Nationals, like that's what they're gearing up for. He didn't want to take any permanent index. Now, granted, he's in a buggy that goes 230 miles an hour, right? So he's kind of got his hands full to begin with. (laughs) He wanted, obviously, to win the race, but needed to make the finish margin as tight as possible to preserve that index. I think he had maybe two hundredths in front as as it played out to not get hit 
permanently and, and lose index for Indy and, and all future races. Yeah, in that 200-plus mile-an-hour buggy, I think he took 3,000 in the final. Yeah, like 20 on the tree, take less than 5,000 in something that the rest of the world would just be praying like didn't hit anything. So way to go, Brad. <laughs> Great job, Brad. As you mentioned, Luke, Chris Cheney got the stock win in uh, race number two podcast bump to our boy Chris, 12-pack in the final. And uh, Team Luke, like you got on the board slate with a stock runner up in race number one. So that helped Team Luke's chances in the stock category. Yeah. And of note, again, from Topeka, our buddy J.R. Loebner won Top Sportsman in race one. If you guys remember, he also won Top Sportsman at the Denver points meet. He's just real quietly and just realizing what's left on the schedule for really for all the Division Five guys and the national events that Top Sportsman will be contested at. He's a guy that I don't think anybody's talking about. He's a dark horse candidate contender for the Top Sportsman title. Top Sportsman's another really interesting class. We'll probably get into that in a future episode. But JR's got a ton of races left, but there's a ton of races coming to his area. And I think he's one that's poised to make some noise in that category as well. The one other thing that jumped out to me from Topeka, Big Jet, and I teased this a little bit in the open. I didn't realize this coming in. I was paying more attention. I might have brought this up last week. Top Dragster and Top Sportsman were both 48-car fields at Topeka, and they weren't playing. It was fast. It was a fast <laughs> 48. The I know I pulled up, uh, I believe it was race one, the bump in Top Dragster was 667. That's 48 Dragsters going 667 and quicker. But that kind of leads me back into the rant that I just kind of went on uh, unprovoked last week about the, the inconsistency of what is supposed to be a national class. Like when you crown a national champion in Top Dragster and Top Sportsman, the class, as much as it can be, should be the same in New York as it is in California. And it's not. And in my take, it's it's a flaw in the system that you have 48 car fields in Division 6 and Division 7, as well as scattered races, I guess, throughout the rest of the country and 32 car fields everywhere else. If you crown a national champion, I feel like you should have a class with a nationally congruent structure and consistent rules from coast to coast. A couple of people that I spoke with this about, and Kyle Seifel was one of them, brought up an interesting note. Like, while Division 6 and 7, with their 48-car fields, have the opportunity to earn more points, because obviously there's another round on the table. Those races are six-round races, whereas a 32-car field is a five-round race. So the way that the NHRA point system works, a win in a six-round race is worth 105 points. A win in a five-round race is only worth 95 points. So every time that you go to a race in Division 6 or 7, there is the opportunity, if you run the table, to earn 10 more points than are available elsewhere. And that, to me, is the the flaw in the program, so to speak. Like, in theory, you could go out in Division 2, say, and run the table and, in theory, win eight races and not win the World Championship because you don't have the same opportunities to win the same number of rounds that racers were on the West Coast. And even the racer on the West Coast wouldn't have to win every race they went to. So I, I just think that's a flaw in the system. But what Kyle had brought up to me is an interesting point, too, that the racers on the West Coast with that 48-car field actually earn one less point per round. And this is a little bit complicated and into the weeds, but basically NHRA awards bonus points. Like you get five points for a win, four points for a runner-up, three points for a semifinal, and on down to one point for losing at the round of 16 cars, right? In addition to the 10 points per round. Well, 
when you cut the field to, or when you expand the field, I should say, from 32 to 48, it's one more round to win. But that means that now a fourth round loss, which would have been a semifinal in a 32 car field, is now a quarterfinal. So for losing in the same round as a racer, say, in Georgia, a racer in California would actually earn one less point. And you think, one point, what's that? Like, there have been national championships decided on tiebreakers on several occasions. That one point certainly adds up. The reason that NHRA has that point system in place, I understand. Like, it's for super stock in Division 6 that might only be a five-round race. So that you don't get penalized so much for winning that race versus winning a six- or seven-round race. Because, in essence, all you can do in that situation is beat the people that are in front of you, right? Right. It's different to me, though, when it's a qualified field, like when you take and and come into the race and say, we're only going to take 32, we're only going to take 48. That, I think, causes the issue there. Without all that said, like, I don't really know what the answer is, Jed. There has been, and I think there will be, continue to be, pushback from both sides to to make a change, to, to find a compromise, because... The West Coasters obviously don't want to limit their fields to 32. Like, why would you exclude racers that have been competing in top dragster that want to continue to compete in top dragster? If you have the opportunity to fill a 48-car field, why limit it? And I get that. And to be completely transparent, the tracks love it because let's just do the quick math. You get 16 extra entries. That's 16 extra entry fees. The purse is basically the same. You've got a little bit more round money. So it helps out the tracks, profit and loss. So... There's no one in Division 6 or 7, racer, very few racers, and no track operators, and probably no division directors that really want to change or see any reason to change to 32-car fields. Meanwhile, the 32-car crowd makes the argument that they don't want to oversaturate the class. Like, and to sum up, to, on me even, on your first instinct, you think, well, that's a silly argument. Like, Just let more people in. But if you had... I don't know, $120,000 invested in your 620 dragster because you had to do that in order to qualify, would you really want to open that up and compete against a 720 car? I wouldn't. Probably not. So I can see both sides of it. Like I think a, and maybe this is biased because I've spent so much time in Division 3 where it's not only is top dragster a 32-car field, it's wicked fast just about everywhere. I think the 32-car show is really cool as someone that's not typically racing in it. Like I, I like that qualifying matters. I like that on race day, everybody's flying. Like it's fun to watch, but ultimately like I think a 48 car field across the board is probably more realistic. Would it be slower quote unquote at first? Sure. But I don't think it would take long to catch up. And maybe the answer, and I don't know, maybe I'm getting too complicated here, but maybe the answer would be to go to a 48 car field but significantly lower the minimum dials. Like today, the if you don't have a full field, the minimum dial is 770. That's not even a fast bracket car by today's standards. And and granted, I'm one that's I've taken advantage of that. I staged at a national event this year at out 750 something, right? But I don't think you would get much pushback if you were to expand the field but make that minimum dial, I don't know, 699, 670, whatever, you know, something along those lines where everybody that's in it still has to go fast. But you expand the field to, to more. Bottom line, I don't care if it goes to 32 or 48 or somewhere in between. I just think it's imperative for the integrity of, the, of those two classes to make it congruent, to make it consistent. If you're going to crown a national champion, they need to all – everybody needs to run under the same set of rules. Uh, no doubt. Look, it, it, the, the program 
the format should mirror one another no matter what coast you're on so uh, when you do have a national champion it's it seems very very odd that it's kind of two different formats when everybody's competing for the same prize so i mean in your opinion if you open it up to 48 car fields out here obviously there would be some slower cars competing in it but it seems like the more people that get in that that the faster those times start progressing people i think you know the slower cars that compete i think see that that's difficult you obviously don't look over your shoulder very well at when a guy's coming at you <laughs> 220 230 so i think those guys will ultimately speed themselves up just a little to make it you know, a little more normal especially for the fans to watch so yeah i agree with that the issue to this point is that at the handful of races with the exception of topeka obviously that they've expanded the field there's been a real pushback among the faster top dragster racers like bowling green sports nationals i don't know if it was this year i think it was i know uh, initially it was a 48 car field and nobody would go like none of the the division three diehards would go because they're like i'm not going to mess with that i'm not going to race against a bracket car now if you made it uh, across the board where every race was like that they'd really probably have no choice but i still don't think they'd like it i don't know exactly what the compromise is there but i agree with you i think over time it gets just as fast as it is now and faster like i still say 10 years from now specifically in top dragster like we might as well just call it 60 heads up like that's what it's going to turn into that's the natural mm. evolution of racers as long as the the fastest et you can go is still capped at six flat you'll ultimately have a field whether it's 32 or 48 where the slowest car goes like 602 it, sure. it will get there it's just a matter of time so interesting to see i don't know exactly again what the answer is i know there's going to be pushback from both sides but i would really push and i think this is the year the off season probably that it happens that they try to get this under control simply because in the three years that they've crowned a national points champion and top dragster the champion every year has come from the east side of the country it looks like this year the champion's going to be paul nero team jed from division six and that's when this is going to come to a head because then we're like he got 105 points for every race he won i why do we only get 95 and you know what i mean i think that that's going to force some sort of change which direction i don't know but i do think that this is the year that that ultimately gets resolved or at least i would hope so well let us hear from you if you're one of those racers that's affected by this would you rather have a 48 car field and have what looks like a, a more fair opportunity to win this championship or would you prefer to keep it like it is and and change it on the west coast i'd like to hear what the the opinion is of the people that are truly affected by these formats differences yeah and not even so much just the opinion as the reasoning you know what i mean like i think i've spelled out my understanding of it but i'm probably missing something i usually do so let us know like i say not only where you stand but why and maybe we'll touch on it on another show if we haven't already burnt 10 minutes and wasted everybody's time with it. <laughs> Did have a little bit of bracket action last week, Jed. We teased this as well. This was up in, in Producer Mark's neck of the woods. The 660 Top Bulb Nationals up at Keystone Raceway Park. New Alexandria, PA, that is near Pittsburgh. They called it the Triple Tens. Yeah, big event there for the, the folks at Keystone Raceway Park. And it looked like they had some weather interruptions on Friday. Um, really cool to see that they took Friday's program and just moved it to run after Saturday. So they got two 10Ks in in a day. 
Uh, although Friday's results came after Saturday's results, we'll give you Friday's results first, which is J.P. Schuster. Uh, everybody knows J.P. up in that part of the country. I'm not sure what whip he was in, but I would love to think he was in his little Chevy two-door car, which is one of the neatest cars in the country. He was not. Uh, he was in the dragster. Uh, well, that, that just totally blew it away for me, J.P., so never mind. Um, Ruined it for you, Big Jed, yeah. but that's a sharp-looking dragster. So what Yeah, he, J.P.'s got really nice stuff, and he drives well. Great job, buddy. And the runner-up was Zach uh, Manuel. And, uh, again, that was Friday's 10K, which happened after Saturday. Saturday was a guy both of us really familiar with, uh, Randy Shire Jr., getting the win over Tim Moore. Shire been a little bit quiet this year, but this guy shows up big time when uh, the chips are on the table and always seems to perform really well. Got his 10K win, yes. We don't have, like, the history of the the 660 Top Bulb Nationals at Pittsburgh in front of us, but I'm pretty confident in saying that that race has been, like, the Bear Motorsports benefit race (laughs) over the years. Between Chris and Randy, like, they have won a bunch at that facility and specifically at this event. It seems like every year at least one of them is in the finals, so that continues with Randy scoring the big $10,000 win on Saturday. Yeah, that's uh, no surprise there. Bear Motorsports is a, is a tough outfit to, to get around. And Sunday, speaking of tough guys, uh, a couple of them in the final. Dennis Mead was the runner-up, uh, obviously having a, a tremendous year for him after a 50K win and now getting a 10K runner-up. But Pete Diagnolo, uh, this guy just, I mean, it doesn't matter. Luke, if it's bottom bulb, top bulb, super stock, whatever. Eighth mile, quarter mile, take all comers. The simplicity of your game amuses me. <laughs> if PDD shows up, this guy's a factor. No doubt. Looked like I had a good event there. Good to see uh, folks at Keystone having a, a, a nice showing. Switch gears again back to the NHRA scene. The other coast. We'll go out to uh, Sonoma for the second week of their back-to-back. We talked about the divisional event last week. This weekend brought, I believe it was the Toyota Nationals up there in wine country in Sonoma, California. Uh, I got on the board, Big Jed. We mentioned it earlier. Jody Lang, who was my pickup off waivers there on uh, on our redraft, got the runner-up in Stock Eliminator. Again, moved into a tie for the national points lead with Jeff Taylor. Robert Neighbor. Meanwhile, is making Kevin Mack look good. Winning Supercomp at Sonoma, um, Neighbor was one that Kevin picked up, again, at the trade deadline for his Supercomp team. And I'm just looking at this. Robert Neighbor probably, again, it's early, long way to go, probably becomes the favorite for the World Championship in Supercomp at this point. He's not leading right now, but uh, he's got an extra race to claim on just about everybody in the top 10 and got some throwaways. Like, he's in really good position. And I think that... I. Sorry, let me start over and try to <laughs> slow down excited. just a little <laughs> bit here. Yeah. I think... Wow, I did it again. Okay. I think that this is an interesting story, mainly because Robert Neighbor and Aaron Kennard are, like, travel partners, racing buddies. Whenever I go out the West Coast, they're parked together, they race together. And at this time, again, it's August by the time that you guys listen to this, um, there's a long way to go and a lot that's probably going to happen. But those two, respectively, uh, Robert Neighbor and Aaron Kennard, appear to be in the driver's seat as it stands right now for the Super Comp National Championship 
for Robert Neighbor, and the Super Gas World Championship for Aaron Kennard. Again, if you were to handicap it today, I would say that they are the favorites. So that'll be cool to track. And it's always fun, I think, when you've got West Coasters in the mix, because that means almost inevitably it's going to come down to late October and early November. And it's going to be decided at Vegas, Vegas, Pomona. And the drama of that is fun to watch it's fun i guess sort of to be involved like it's a different kind of fun obviously but it's really fun to sit back and watch so i look forward to that specific to super comp my guy austin williams it's hard to say like this is all getting more clear now as we've got more races in the books austin went on a two-week trip right he went to the mile high nationals in denver left there went to topeka which is austin williams raceway park for the double divisional and it's hard to say that when you go to three events of that caliber and you stage for the fourth round and all three events it's hard to say that was a bad trip but it's not what austin wanted and it's three races now on the ledger solid finishes at all of them but really probably needed to score a win specifically on the divisional side to have a world championship score. Austin's leading the national points chase right now. He's almost out of races. He's got what I would say will end up being a top five score, a top five total points total. It's probably not going to be a world championship score. The one exception to that, he's got one divisional left. I assume it's going to be at Noble, Oklahoma. He'd have to win that race to be a threat. The good news for Austin Williams, he kind of went into that race last year having to win it, and he did, and he was the world champion. So nothing is off limits like nothing's out of bounds it's possible he's got two national events too but he's improving like a quarterfinal loss it's going to be super interesting super comp this year is wide open and i think in the end the national championship score might be a little bit underwhelming in compared to years past that's probably speaks more to the parity of the class than anything but as i mentioned earlier if you're going to handicap it right now and obviously he's hot coming off a win, but I think you've got to give Rob Neighbor the slightest edge. So look forward to see what happens going forward. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available. Subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast. Neither of us are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE components exclusively since 1998. That's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point is that BTE builds products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jared depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter specific to your combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at bteracing.com.
All right, guys. The IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular is August the 17th through the 19th. Now, this is an event that will provide something for everyone. They've got Ironmen. They've got big checks for the winners. There will be round prizes, contingency, the ever-popular golf cart race, and a racer appreciation cookout. Now, the main event will be Saturday's $5,000 to win race, while Sunday will pay $2,500. US-131 will also feature the 12-flat index, and that's 12-flat uh, and slower on a quarter-mile street class. So you guys that like to run 12-flat and slower, this is your event. Both races will allow electronics, and both races will include pre-entry. Again, only $150 for the US 131 event, and that will run until August the 6th. Pre-enter now at IHRA.com. All right, Luke, it's uh, time to talk about the All-State Challenge. Yeah, let's talk about the All-State Challenge, Jed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, it's painful. I really don't want to talk about it much, but uh, we need to. We need to make sure that the folks that are getting to attend are going to go enjoy an awesome format and a really cool setting. Unfortunately, Alabama Slammers... Hold on, def- hold on, hold on. Before you even make your big <laughs> sob story announcement, I mean, we went for months on this podcast of you just running your jaw and how nobody's going to beat Alabama. And then, lo and behold, your team backed it up. You guys mm-hmm. were the inaugural All-State champions. So we just think we're going to maintain that rain, right? Roll tide. Yeah, uh, that was the plan. That was the plan. Uh, there's, there's not going to be an Alabama Slamma appearance at this year's Unfortunately. <laughs> so, Luke, we've got hmm. probably four stalker racers in the entire state. And we've probably got three super gas racers in the entire state. Not a lot of those classes uh, being represented out of Alabama. So those racers that are not going to the rescheduled Adel or South Georgia Motorsports Park divisional will or uh, doing other things, that, or they would have been there. They can't go racing that weekend, or they would have been going to Adel anyway. So we won't have anybody for those two classes. And We've struggled with another class or two, uh, finding uh, someone that can be there for the Thursday start, and it just didn't work out for us. It, it kills me, because we know we'd win it again if we just show up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, we've won everyone they've ever had, so it kills me not to go win it again. But unfortunately, we're just the Slammers just can't put it together this year, and it, it does break my heart because it's a really cool deal. And I wish we could go back and try to defend our title or, or whatever you say. I don't know if we're defending it or whatever it is, but I wish we could go back and try again anyway. But I wish y'all would come back too, Big Jed. I really do. <laughs> He's looking forward to whooping us this year? Yeah, I, I just I don't have a lot of sympathy. Like We have an NHRA Division 5 event the same weekend. It was on top of the All-State race last year. It's in Earlville, Iowa. It took, no, nah, I wouldn't say it took half of my team last year, but it, it took a couple of guys that I really wanted to be on my team, Nick Folk. And I remember I went to Indy last year without a stock super stock representative. And I asked like five different people as I realized they were from the state of Illinois, if they would come be on our team. Like we worked it pretty hard, Big Jed. 
and, and we made it happen. Kyle Riley came to my rescue. Kyle hadn't staged for a round all season, borrowed a race car, came to Memphis. We make things happen in Illinois, Big Jed. Well, and I thought I was making things happen. I, I thought I had it kind of worked out, but it just fell apart. You know what, Luke? Okay. So if you're out there listening and you're from the state of Alabama, you live here and you got a super gas car that I don't know about. It's a big state. There's got to be more than four. <laughs> okay. There, then let's find them. And if you got a stalker that I don't know about and you want to compete for the Alabama Slammers, let me know. Get in touch with me. And let's make something happen. Let's try to put the slammers. The original form is busted up to pieces. It's not going to work. But I've still got team members that want to compete. And I'm willing to, to take this thing to the final hour if that's what it takes. But I had given up until you challenged me. Pretty much, we take anybody from the state of Alabama and win this thing. I mean, we're all great racers here. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Uh, listeners, so, you can credit me for this. I have goaded Jed into it. We'll see if we can come up with a, uh, what are we going to call this, the replacements? I mean, this is. This is the Alabama Slammers is what it is. The Alabama Slammers remix. If you're from the state of Alabama and you got something in those classes and you want to compete, holla at you, boy. Let's put this thing together. Meanwhile, I am uh, once again captaining Team Illinois. Last year, I handpicked my group of studs, and we got smacked all over the racetrack in Memphis. I would go to go to battle with that group again any day of the week, but I thought I'd make it a little bit more democratic this year. So we have uh, basically compiled everyone in Illinois that would is willing and interested in going to Memphis, and we've got a vote going on. Polls close. Wednesday night, that'd be the day several of you are listening to this, at midnight. So if you are an Illinois resident and a racer, quite honestly, why would you be listening to this podcast if you were not a racer, not necessarily an Illinois resident? <laughs> but if you check both of those boxes, uh, we would love to have your vote. You can see the uh, Allstate Challenge Team Illinois page on Facebook. Uh, we've already got a ton of response, like hundreds of votes, literally. I'm trying to determine this year's team, but it will become official later this week. We'll make that announcement. Hopefully, my wife and I make the team because, quite honestly, it would suck to team captain a team where you couldn't race. Wouldn't it, Ted? <laughs> not really. Not if they win. <laughs> I had a great time last year. <laughs> New for this year at the All-State race, multiple teams will be allowed from states that can field them. And people will be happy to know, Big Jed, that although the status of the Alabama Slammers is very much in doubt at this point, it sounds like the state of Alabama will be represented, correct? Yes, Brandon Taylor's putting together a team. I don't know where he's found super gas cars or stockers that I didn't know about, but I guess he did. He's put a team together. They look like they're going to be really stout, and um, Alabama will be well represented on the racetrack, whether the Slammers show up or not. I know at this point, it seems like I saw on the Great American Bracket Race Facebook page that there have been 24 teams or 24 states, 24 team captains that have put forth that will say they will field a team for this year's All-State shootout. So that will be fun. I think that's about the same number of entrants that we had a year ago. A lot of these states are just like me in Illinois now, still trying to finalize their roster, waiting on a vote, whatever the case may be. But Britt did send us over an abbreviated list, and this is just the top bulb dragster category. And again, it's only about half the teams that have actually named their entrants. But this list is serious, Big Jed. This is what you would expect from the All-State race. This is what made this race so 
cool a year ago. Yeah, you know, a, a who's who in the sport again, and there will be many more who's who's added to the list. But, you know, Kenny Underwood from Ohio, Todd Piper from Kansas. Uh, I've had the pleasure of getting spanked by both of those guys. Trip West from Oklahoma, Tanner Thorpe, one of the Texas teams, Brendan George, Florida, Johnny Ezel. Never heard Louisiana. of Louisiana. <laughs> Johnny Brackett Racer on uh, Louisiana team number one. I'm guessing they're going to have multiple entries. Josh Baker from Kentucky. Again, just all-star after all-star. Nebraska's got a team with Bo Sanders going to be in the top of dragster spot. Hunter Patton, Texas team number two. Uh, the legend, Danny Nelson from Arkansas. And uh, Jeremy Hancock from Georgia. So, I mean, it's just. These guys are, uh, again, going to put on a wonderful show at the All-State Challenge. And I was really upset that we were even going to have to talk about the Alabama Slammers and the struggles I've had. And um, shame on me that I'd given up. But if you're out there and you're a stalker or super gas racer, get in touch with me. Let's make this happen. Let's bring the Slammers back and compete on the big stage at the All-State Challenge. Man, I can take so much credit for this. When the Slammers come together and the Slammers place 12th, it'll all, it'll, I mean, it'll be, it'll all come back to me. Like, I feel like I've goaded you into this. This is awesome. Well, I mean, I've got an excuse. It, just, it was a last minute thing. Guys wasn't ready. They just hadn't been prepared. Uh, so the excuse is already pre put together. Yeah, um, I mean, you're already backpedaling pretty good. So. But we're still going to win. So none of that's going to matter. Come on, Slamas. Let's do it. (laughs) Uh, Big weekend ahead. Big Jed, let's tell everybody what's on tap for this first weekend in the month of August. Honey, where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's what's on tap. Well, first and foremost, uh, the World Super Pro Challenge at Mid-Michigan. Luke, I, I should know this, but I think this is like year 24, 25. It, it's up there. This is they've a been, long They've been doing it a while. little trivia for you, Big Jed. Who won the first 50 grander at Stanton, Michigan? The very first 50 grander at Stanton, Michigan. Uh, man. I Back when it was on the long track. Uh, John LaBeau Sr., no, that's a good guess, but you're incorrect. I believe the first winner of the 50 Grander at Mid-Michigan Motorplex was Ricky Adkins. Man. It wasn't long after that that your boy, a young Jeff Strickland, graced the winner's circle. I think it was like the second or third time that they did that race, and you can do the math. Like, Jeff ain't that old. I think he was 17 or 18 when he won that race, and it was on the long track. So, Yeah, that's uh, that's cool trivia there. It had been had many, many Big time racers collect that check there at Stanton, Michigan. But a long-standing event, uh, the original 50 grander. You know the Ledfords do a wonderful job, so uh, I'm sure a lot of people have that one on their schedule. And just for the bottom bulb guys to make sure they've got a place to go in Michigan, August the third through the fifth is the bottom bulb bash at US 131 in Martin, Michigan. So you got big time top bulb and bottom bulb action. My man, Justin Wanamaker, has been pushing that 131 race. I hope it turns out really well for him. So top bulbers, bottom bulbers, head to Michigan. That's where the action is this weekend. The back-to-school junior dragster event at Emerald Coast Dragway in Holt, Florida, which most of you would be more familiar if I said it's around Pensacola. 
Um, that is August the 3rd through the 5th again this weekend. So you junior dragsters head down there to sunny Pensacola and get your game on. Also on the NHRA side, Division One Lucas Oil Race at Atco Dragway in Atco, New Jersey. And... Uh, the NHRA Northwest Nationals at Seattle, Washington, will also be this weekend. So national events, divisionals, lots of bracket racing for the Super Pro, the Bottom Bulb, and the Junior Dragsters on tap for the weekend. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's deep. It's this week's Final Thought. All right, Luke, it's uh, time for our Final Thought. You know, This is a subject that we talked about last week. You've uh, hinted a little bit about it this week, but drama on social media about the MIR event, uh, the Triple Crown 25s, and everything that has happened since we last discussed it, it's been uh, a little wild. Yeah, I think shortly after we recorded this, this went from bad to ugly, bizarre. (laughs) It's just, I I mean, it's died down a little bit now because we've given it a week and maybe we should just leave well enough alone, but I didn't think we could uh, walk away with what we'd said and not follow up after it got so heated, nasty. And and most of this was now between Danny Waters and and Kyle Riley, and really it was more just Kyle kind of I don't want to say unprovoked, but definitely throwing some underhand jabs. We mentioned that in last week's show, and then just kind of blatantly getting in everybody's face about it. I just, I don't know. Last week, I said that while I can't possibly defend the racers that cussed a, a well intentioned promoter, I also said that I felt like it was silly on Danny's part to bring this to social media. Like, just shut up and let it all go away. You know what I mean? In, in that mm-hmm. position. And I think in hindsight, DW probably feels a lot the same way, but if I'm going to get on to DW for that, like I can't let Kyle Riley go on it. Kyle got into an ugly feud with DW Danny waters in which he, like I said, made some underhanded jabs and some outright direct insults. And within that, he actually named and tagged uh, at least a couple of the racers who had gotten into DW's face that spurred this initial post of his to begin with. And I just felt like that was way across the line. Like, I know mm-hmm. that there is some bad blood and some history there. I don't know the details of it. Then, And to be completely honest, like, I like both of those guys. Like, Kyle Riley, Danny Waters, Wesley Washington, the whole bunch. Like, I get along with all sure. of them. But, man, I don't like to see any of this. And I certainly don't like to see it just broadcast publicly. It makes nobody look good. And I I don't know. I was actually scrolling through Twitter today, Jed, and I saw this quote, and I thought it was fitting for the situation. The quote is from Tyler Cohen. I don't even know who Tyler Cohen is. Complete transparency. But the quote is, social media is almost the worst possible venue for being uncivil. It's like pissing in the ocean. And furthermore, <laughs> you often encourage a stronger reaction from the other side. I think that fits perfectly here yeah better yet i don't even know where this exactly came from i've read it must have been from uh richard branson's autobiography because i've read that it's uh, losing my virginity richard branson the head of virgin records but the story that he shared was that when he was a kid when he would talk badly about someone else in his parents presence his punishment was his parents would sit him in front of a mirror for 10 minutes with the idea being that i want you to see how badly that reflects upon you And I think there's a lot to take away from that. Like nobody wins in this situation. And when you point fingers and stir this up, like it doesn't make anybody look bad but you. So 
I guess my plea to Kyle, who I don't know if he listens to this or not, uh, and as I said to Danny, like, why get in specific to Kyle, like, why get involved in this in the first place? And why would you ever go that far? Like, it crossed all kind of lines, and I just don't understand the point. Like, who does it benefit? So my plea to, to Kyle, to everyone is this race promotion world it's as competitive as ever and like i said last week i feel like everybody's a little bit on edge by it but you don't get ahead by running down another promoter or event or series take that time and energy and pour it into making your races better like it's no different than from a racer standpoint if i spend all my time as a racer saying that dude that's so successful he's cheating or he's got tower power. You know, we've been down that list, right, of the crazy excuses. But the more time that you spend in that mindset, the less opportunity you have to get better. Concentrate on the stuff that you can control. Make your race car, your racing, your race series, whatever. Make it the best that it can be. Don't worry about everybody else. And this will all sort itself out. Yeah, really good uh, thought there, Luke. And, you know, it's, sometimes it is obviously extremely difficult to maintain your professionalism, most especially when you feel attacked. But it's just social media. I mean, it, it's not a big deal. You, you forget everything you read at lunch today on social media. Um, so don't let people get to you, whether you're Kyle or DW. Um, you should maintain your professionalism. Uh, you, you have both of you have a tremendous um, format that you're you're putting out there for racers. And they don't have to compare with one another. They they can stand alone on their own merit and just be good races for whatever customer base you're serving. So, guys, get past it. Maintain your professionalism and. Keep putting out a great product, and that will solve all issues and answer all questions. So, very well said, Luke, and um, hopefully this thing squashed completely by now. If we haven't started back up again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good point. All right, guys, uh, that wraps us up. This episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast is coming to a close want to say thanks to our great sponsors, the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular. Of course, our new partner, which is an old partner for you and I, Luke, the great folks at BTE. And, of course, this is Bracket Racing Elite. Uh, great to have those folks supporting the show. We appreciate it very much. Got any shout-outs this week, Luke? I do. It's a short list, but I definitely need to shout-out Chance Likens Motorhome. And Sladen, Mississippi in general. Like, I just feel like if you've got a flip phone in Sladen, Mississippi, you got to be on top of a motorhome, right? How else is it going <laughs> to work? Definitely. Shout out to flip phones in general. My daddy-in-law's got a flip phone. Big fan. Shout out to Jeff Taylor and his three, oh, make it four NHRA National Championships. Yeah, we goofed Whoa. that one. That one's on me. He is going for number five in 2018. Oh. So, yeah. Oops. Sorry about that. Uh, we even made Chance look bad on that because we told him what to say. So, sorry, Jeff. <laughs> Shout out to the Alabama Slammers, the original Slammers, the reinforcements, the replacements, the Brendan Taylor team, whatever you guys got going on out there in Alabama, Big Jed. And shout out to Cody Harger, because Cody, you have been teed up, sir. This is laid out for you. Have a blast. <laughs> Luke, you got to get more in tune to your social media. Cody's already ripped me. No, you I know. It's got to get better. There's more. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's already got me good. And I'm trying to play nice. I, his team's awesome, and I, I hope they go do well. So, 
Don't let Cody, up, Cody. Don't let Cody, up. Cody, please back off of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Guys, be sure to tell us what you think about the show, good or bad. Message us directly on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page, or you can at either Luke or myself on Twitter. He is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. Thank you for tuning in and listening, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it. I am already winning in foot breaking in anything. Bottom ball before pretend I'm rolling in the cutty switching be like Jerry Pennington. As we mentioned earlier, Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Now, neither of us are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and torque converters exclusively since 1998. That's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult, my entire adult life. Um, my point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE that's I can't say BTE. That's awful. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.